0: Okay, so um, hi everybody and welcome to episode 9 of, I'm pretty sure it's episode 9 now, yes. of Wild Wild Podcast. I'm uh, here as ever with my very patient and forgiving co-host, Rod Barnett. Rod, how are you today?
1: I am doing pretty well. It's raining here, but uh, that's, uh, that's perfect podcasting weather in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Now while since we've last recorded, we've actually had a bit of a sort of slightly extended summer break between episodes, but since we last spoke, you did another podcast episode on Wild Wild Planet.
1: Oh yeah. Uh I had no choice. Uh my <laughs> my, my friend Mark Maddox uh had a had a had a fa- had a had a spasm of fit uh when he saw that I was doing a podcast about uh, that particular film, one of his favorites, and uh he nearly, nearly. He, I thought perhaps a seizure was occurring. I wasn't sure, so mm-hmm. I, I told him, look, look, look. That was for Adrian's podcast. That has nothing to do with me. I have no idea. I, I don't know why you think that was my podcast. I have no clue. You need to calm <laughs> down. So I recorded a show about that film again, twice in one year, uh with Mark well. Maddox, and released that. So.
0: And I thought it was really good. You you pulled out some things that we didn't talk about. It just shows that that film is so packed. Yeah. That you can never really run out of stuff uh, to talk about with that one. It's so,
1: it's yeah. it's yeah. It really is. Uh, I think you could honestly take that film in probably ten or even fifteen minute chunks, and talk about that section of the film for about an hour and there's just a lot to dig into it both visually and just in what was going you know what was going on to put those things on the screen at the time so mm.
0: so if anybody hasn't heard that yet i would recommend you uh go and uh well, i mean hopefully you're already all subscribed to the bloody pit but uh if anybody isn't then do uh go and check that one out but you've you're so busy you seem to be dropping new episodes at the moment about every two days I,
1: no, not quite that fast. Thank God. It's <laughs> it's just a question of. Uh, I, I think that people, because I don't have some kind of regular schedule, I think people uh, are, are surprised when one pops up, and that that I think is better. It's it's not uh, th- that that way. People don't look backwards and go, "Oh, wait a minute, wasn't there supposed to be an episode out?" No, it's more along the lines of, "Oh, good, there's a new one out." <laughs> oh wait, I didn't listen to the previous one. I, I guess I better back up and start listening. Well, so. you-
0: I, I find that. I, I suddenly look down, and there's about three new episodes that, uh, that I haven't heard yet. And it seems like it was only a week since I listened to the last one. Oh. It's, it's pretty impressive. You, you know. Well, there, there's, I hope, I hope there, they there, pay I, you well.
1: <laughs> yeah they pay me yeah they pay me extraordinarily well. It, a, a, part of it is just that uh, I have so many different people who are involved in, in wanting to do shows on particular subjects that you know when things fall into place and we're able to get them recorded, sometimes they can stack up like cordwood. I have been in a position where I've had three or four different episodes in the hopper in various stages of edit. And just, you know, just trying to get them done and out and then trying to give each show enough space in the feed so that people are aware of it before the next one pops up. And that can sometimes be a problem, too. So,
0: Well, you're, you're doing a great job. We all, we all appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so, yeah. So today we're going to continue with our season of Italians in Space or Italiani nello spazio and we're picking up this is kind of interesting we uh, a couple of episodes ago we talked about the films of Alfonso Brescia and his sort of attempt to replicate Margariti's Gamma One quadrilogy with his own series of films all set around the same space company or I don't know it wasn't really a space station but like I don't know exactly who they all were but basically he had some costumes and some sets And he made four films out of them. And we talked about just one of them. I'm pretty glad we didn't try and do all four. Um, Can you imagine attempting to cover all of them? Yeah. Well, I I say four. I think there were, yeah, there were four. Yeah. There was Cosmos, War of the Planets. That's the one we did. There was also Battle of the Stars, War of the Robots, and Star Odyssey. So, because this podcast, I knew, initially I did wonder whether we should try and just do every single space film. But. I thought that would be quite tiresome eventually for us particularly when it's four like that so we just picked one of them which I think gave us a pretty good flavor of what those films were like but um but this is not the that wasn't going to be the last time Alfonso Brescia was going to turn up here because there was one film that he made a couple of years later I think he still had those spacesuits in storage And um, some of the same sets were still hanging around. And so he saw the potential to get some more mileage out of that. So he came back about two years later. uh, I think it was, was it 1981? No, 1980. And made a film called La Bestia Nella Spazio, or more commonly known as Beast in Space. This is probably the most well-known of Brescia's sci fi movies, and and many people might come to Beast in Space not realizing that it's kind of a fifth film in a sequence. Um, but there's no continuations with plots or anything like that, it's basically just the same, same spacesuits. Um, but so, Rod, how familiar were you with Beast in Space before we did this? Oh,
1: um, pretty familiar. I picked up the DVD. Uh, what a decade and a half ago or longer when uh i think it was severin put it out uh Mm. because i was extremely curious about it and of course there were all those rumors about it you know there there being a a pornography element and uh you know nothing nothing gets me more curious than the forbidden fruit (laughs) of uh, of uh, someone uh you know sloppily inserting pornography into a an otherwise non-pornographic i'm glad you said
0: the word pornography then (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, sometimes sometimes the English language is a joy, is it not? Uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I so I was fairly familiar with it. I had seen it before. And uh, to be honest, I was fairly happy uh, treating uh, The Beast in Space as a one-time view. Move away from it <laughs> and, and never look back kind of thing. But that was not mm. to be. Thank you once again, mm, Adrian. You're
0: welcome. Well, I will say this. Of out of this and cosmos this is better like i think because i'd see because i hadn't seen beast in space before i was familiar with it i did actually have the dvd the that was released over here from shameless which was as far as i can tell kind of what you might say is the director's cut in air quotes uh basically the version without the hardcore inserts yeah um and so but i just never really watched it because it looked rubbish but having seen cosmos first i was actually pleasantly surprised that this film had a coherent plot of sorts um and so that was it maybe i maybe didn't find this as bad as i was bracing myself for (laughs) um but anyway so let's grab ourselves a pint of uranus milk and, We're going to have um, to
1: talk about that. Yeah,
0: we'll we'll get into this. Uh, let's start with the director then. So we just—I mean, just—we talked more about him last time. Alfonso Brescia basically, you know, he made films loads of different genres. We talked about him a lot in the previous episode, so we don't need to revisit that too much. But uh, some of the stars of the film. Now, the main name, and this is presumably why this film exists, is because Serpa Lane became available. Yeah. And she is best known for her appearance in uh, Val- valerian or valerian valerian maybe valerian Borichch's the Beast mm-hmm. now I've never seen the beast oh okay. but i i I have read quite a lengthy plot summary, and <laughs> this was after I'd watched Beast in space, and then I thought, oh okay, now I know why they did that. And now I know why they did that. Oh, and there's that bit. And suddenly, Beast in Space is basically a massive rehash of um, the Beast, which I, I, I hadn't. I mean, obviously, there's obviously a connection, but I just assumed it was the fact that there's a hairy man with a massive um, chin <laughs> beard. I was going to say. Oh. But. Oh, oh, um, oh, gotcha. But it turns out that quite a lot of what we see in Beast in Space is just ripped straight out of the Beast, which, again, maybe that's why Beast in Space feels more like a real film um, compared to Cosmos. But so so how about you? Is the Beast something that you're familiar with that you've seen?
1: Uh, Yeah, I saw it uh, a long time ago um it's it's a it's a very interesting film i think it's it's much more toward the art house crowd than anything uh mm-hmm. you know that that than what i would say this film this it has higher aspirations by far than uh exploitation in general uh and it, it is a good film it is a well-made film i'd been made aware of uh of it and the other films of that particular director uh, years mm-hmm. ago by video watchdog and so my curiosity had been aroused uh well, that was the wrong word. And uh so yes, <laughs> At I saw first, it.
0: sir you aroused my curiosity, but then
1: <laughs> And then you aroused other things. Yeah. Uh but yes, mm. uh so I was uh I, I'm aware of the film, I've seen it, and uh yes, this movie does uh shall we say, borrow more than just mm. the lead actress, yes, yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, I. I mean, I did consider watching The Beast as well in preparation for doing this today, but I basically didn't want to. Um, <laughs> so I didn't. I felt like I'd watched enough. Well, I haven't for, rewatched for it in podcast. like twenty years. Or yeah. Though, you know. I mean, I am curious. I've never seen any Boratich films, so maybe one day I will. Uh, I know Arrow just recently reissued a much cheaper version of their Boratich box set, so. Maybe one day I'll feel extravagant and pick that up. But yes. so Serpa Lane, um, she is, I believe she's a Finnish actress. Yeah. And um, had a relatively short and quite interesting career. She played a couple of Italian films. Um, There's one that sounds like it must be a jello that I've never heard of called The Murdered Young Girl. Um, which, oh, it's Roger Vadim, so I guess that's right, it's a French film, sorry. Yeah, so she did a Roger Vadim film. She did do some Nazi, sploita- Nazi exploitation with Love Camp 27. Yeah. Um, she did a Joe D'Amato film, Love Goddess of the Cannibals. She did The Secret Knights of Lucrezia Borgia, um, which I haven't seen, but I did just recently... Read a biography of Lucretia Borgia. So I'm quite curious to see some films about her. Although I think this one is a bit more on the exploitation end rather than the uh, accurate historical end. But, um, but yeah, she so this sort of brief career, less than ten years, and um, and then she tragically, she, I think she died of AIDS actually. Oh my goodness, the, I was unaware. In the 90s, yeah, just according to Wikipedia. I don't know. There's very little information about her online. That I don't think she ever gave any interviews or anything, so yeah it's kind of a mystery really but uh nevertheless, she appeared in some interesting films, obviously the Beast is the film that secured her fame um and then Beast in space perhaps secured her infamy uh with cult film the cult film crowd um whether it was there anyone else in this film that you were particularly um I recognize from other movies. You've seen a lot more cult films oh, <clears> than <throat> I
1: well, yes, definitely. Uh Robert hundar uh that's uh I believe that's his stage name. He's an Italian actor. He plays the uh he plays the satyr the their host once they get to the the, oh, the, the, the beast planet. himself. Yeah, yeah, that's I guess that's the best way to put it. Uh his real name was Claudio Andari uh he went by robert hundar as a stage name and yeah i've seen him in a lot of films uh he was uh, he did uh let's see cynic the rat in the fist tough cop oh, yeah. uh red coat which is a, a an italian movie about uh, the canadian mounties that i have of course sought out of because I'm, a, I'm an yeah. extremely strange person uh he had a role in uh sabata uh, he was he was uh, Sergeant Brown in Cutthroats Nine. So yeah, yeah, I've seen him in mm-hmm. a number of films, the Relent- the Relentless Four and, and a few others as well. So he was a right. he was a very familiar face when he popped up. So
0: yeah, and he did do Star Odyssey. So he did one of Brescia's other films before this one. Yes, yes. Um, so obviously, Brescia saw him and thought, oh, he would look great if we strapped something massive on him. <laughs> <laughs> um and had him chase Serpa lane through the woods um Vasily Karis is another interesting one who plays the captain of the film he uh popped up in various movies over the you know over the period of um italian exploitation he did kind of vietnam movies sci fi movies he did jallo in Venice yeah um, yeah he he also did a couple of the other Brescia sci-fi movies. Um, he's done Nazi exploitation. Just you know, a regular working actor. He did a couple of the other Sabato sequels. Yeah. Uh, Day of Vengeance. All kinds of good stuff. Angel for Satan, which I think didn't, didn't Severin just announced an Angel for Satan. It's a Barbara
1: Steele Gothic, and it's the only yeah. Barbara Steele Gothic that up until now. Uh, has not had uh, some type of blu-ray release Uh, it was released on dvd several years ago as part of a double feature which is how i got to to finally see it but
0: yeah yeah although we haven't yet got a good blu-ray release of castle of blood which i'm agreed i'm still slightly miffed about but yeah that one looks great so he's um yeah so he's another guy with a lengthy career and he's he's required to do some moderately explicit things in this film (laughs) I would say I mean particularly some of the background some of the the other crew of his spaceship I don't know if they were all porn actors but some of the stuff that's going on like there are porn inserts but there's also the main cast getting down to some pretty um, full on stuff I'm uh, trying I don't want to get too explicit in describing some of the acts (laughs) that people are getting up to in this movie but I was quite surprised uh, what was going on uh in some of those shots oh dear anyway. there is
1: a fair amount of nudity regardless of yeah. this you know th- there being a soft core and a hardcore version of this film mm. even the softcore version is you know there's there's a fair amount of nudity and sex is a large yeah. part of the story so
0: absolutely and there's it's really funny there's um there is there's still an insert in the non-hardcore version that's clearly been cut in from some hardcore footage but it's um it's basically just a shot of a woman's breasts with her hands just coming up and what it looks like it looks like a naked woman is being presented to a blind man who's never who doesn't know what a woman is (laughs) It looks like he's exploring her because he doesn't know what this <laughs> what this is like or like he's an alien or something but it's just really random they keep cutting this shot in even though it doesn't fit at all yeah with uh, the scene rubber. that it's in which like the 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 hardcore stuff is uh, is very much not doesn't fit at all They you, you can see that they're different people they're in different rooms But it's, anyway, bizarre. So, anyway, but I don't, let's not dwell too much on that. Because there is a story this time, and it's a relatively interesting story. Um, Relatively in comparison to Cosmos, anyway. (laughs) So, we have got a space captain, Captain Larry Madison. And he is addicted to Uranus milk.
1: And that is not what you think it is.
0: Well, U- Uranus milk? I'm still never quite sure how we pronounce that. I, you know I've,
1: what? It doesn't really matter, I don't think.
0: <laughs> I've always just said Uranus.
1: I, I, I tried really maybe hard. Maybe that's because I'm childish. To, yeah, I, well, I've tried really, really hard as an adult to say Uranus. But it just, I mean, <laughs> but, I, know, I, I know that that would probably be the, the more adult and staid way of going about things. Oh, but I It, I it doesn't really,
0: it. yeah, it doesn't trip off the tongue, does it? Yeah,
1: um, no, it doesn't.
0: <laughs> so he spends his time drinking in bars between jobs. He seems to be a captain of a crew who fly around the galaxy. I don't know, they're like, I don't know whether they're military or government. There seems to be what it reminded me of a little bit is the setup in the um, the Hammer film Moon Zero Two where you've got this base on the moon where there's a bar yeah. and you've got kind of miners and space cowboys and space truckers and they're all just kind of hanging out of this bar and this is very much that kind of vibe there's a bar that the captain is going to and s he, he may be his government but then there are also just basically um traders who also fly around in space and People dancing, just little bar-like be, stuff. Yes. Yeah, they seem to be very open as well uh, in terms of their adult relationships. This woman comes in, comes up to Larry, and she's all like, "Yeah, I've just got back from a long haul in space, and I'm really ready to have some sex now. Hey, would you like to just come upstairs with me?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm just going to finish finish my drink first. And there's all this kind of thing. But I'm I'm pretty sure he's also got a girlfriend, which is uh, Lieutenant richardson played by serpa lane who we've already seen i think at this point quite early on we know that he's in a relationship with her but maybe because this is the future we're supposed to think that you know it's all just very open and modern i guess i don't know but um so he's in this bar and he gets into a fight with a guy called juan yeah and... yeah
1: played by an actor we should we should mention briefly Ver, oh yeah go on uh vernon i'm i'm probably slaughtering that poor the poor actor's name but he's someone that i recognize from a lot of other films as well very long mm. career uh you might have seen him in uh, Fulci's city of the living dead or contraband uh he oh, yeah. uh, he was in cannibal Ferox uh let's see terror express uh by the way he he supposedly is somewhere there in the humanoid but i don't know that we we <laughs> i don't know that we spotted him uh but he was in mm. like emmanuel in the white slave trade and you know uh young violent and dangerous emmanuel in bangkok black emmanuel emmanuel too he's just one of those actors who wow. turned up yeah. in a blue bajillion films i mean his credits i mean he's got he's got 100 over 150 credits
0: He plays the priest in Seven Deaths in the Cat's Eyes. Yes, indeed. Which we talked about on your podcast earlier Mm -hmm. this year. How funny. So, like I I said, he looked looked familiar, but I think because he was playing a Spanish pirate, I didn't quite place him as being Italian, but of course he is. (laughs) That makes total sense.
1: They ship those guys everywhere.
0: Yeah, he only just died a couple of years ago. He, um, I know, I know. He he had an extremely long the career. Time. I
1: mean, he has credits stretching all the way into the two thousands. So
0: yeah, that's really cool. But yeah, he's playing this sort of rough and ready pirate guy uh, called Juan. And so the but the back in the background of all this is that apparently the government or the military or whoever it is are trying to get hold of something called Antalum. Uh, which may as well be called unobtainium or made-upium made-upium, yes or you know, meguffinium
1: uh, yes. yeah, exactly that thing what's uh, supposed to drive the plot but it doesn't really it's just the sex yeah. that drives the plot so
0: and yeah. <laughs> so apparently this stuff is needed it's the key ingredient for building neutron bombs and it's a source of power you only need a very small amount of it and um they can't find any it's in a planet that they they know it exists but they don't know where it is or something like that but then it turns out that juan has been there and he's actually got some hanging around his neck on a little thing which and and
1: how ham-handed does the film script handle this juan mm. and our our beloved uh main character captain larry madison by the way we could have another discussion about the incredibly generic character american names. character names
0: oh i know they're all good
1: captain larry madison they get into a bar fight because both of them want to want to bed uh lieutenant Sandra richardson <laughs> which mm. is no nah, it's a better name who's played by you know, serpa lane the the uh, star of the beast uh they both oh, want yeah. to they both want to bed her they get into a quick bar fight and in the yeah. scuffle uh, Madison, who wins uh, ends up uh, with this vial that was this, this little vial of rocks that was around the neck of, uh, <laughs> of Juan, Juan, Juan Cardoso, mm-hmm. by the way, or Juan could, yeah, yeah. Uh, the hands up with it and he doesn't know what it is. So the next day after, of course, the prerequisite sex, he, he has it tested by, uh, it, it does seem to be military, right?
0: Mm, something like that yeah they
1: has it tested and finds out that the vial is that uh that unobtainium the antileum.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember yeah something like that
1: and uh they're like well how did he get this and so clearly uh you know since they must have this stuff to be able to blow up other people because it's a, a, a distinct ingredient of some type of weapon some type of bomb hey we got to go seek this out so go find that guy and find out mm. where he got it and go get more
0: and just yeah, you mentioned there. So they this is the first, but they actually have two bar fights. This is the first one, um, and you know I think you know Juan might have spilt his pint of Uranus milk and really got his which is so wrong. his back up. The
1: way you said the, the the fact that you know that saying that is just going to drive me crazy. <laughs>
0: um, um, now I something we forgot to mention when we talked about Cosmos was the there's a kind of sex scene in that and it was really weird They they sort of the, the couple go into this space pod booth or something yeah and they basically lie back and they look at these glowing colored lights and that apparently is some kind of shared experience it reminded me a little bit of of Barbarella the kind of futuristic way that that yeah society uh has recreational sex um but there's a little bit of that here as well in this first sex scene but then you know it comes down to what the audiences would rather have so we get actual <laughs> quite quite lengthy and and dull um goings on but yes then so then yes yeah, so he knows about the antalum so he goes back to the bar the next day but not with sir Lane this time he meets this other woman who um i've forgotten her name Frida might be And he meets this woman and she's like, oh, yeah, I'm looking for a man now because I've just got got off. I'm I'm on my shore leave and uh, she's in port looking for for a good time. But that's when he he can't go with her straight away because horny though he is, he's a man with a good sense of responsibility. And he's waiting for (laughs) Juan to turn up. And uh, so then uh, Juan turns up and they get into a fight again. Um, and he beats Juan again But this time manages to arrest Two of Juan's friends But Juan escapes, is that right? I think uh, I remember that right I, I, But they, they manage to arrest along, a couple Juan of Juan does escape, yes Yeah, they manage to arrest two of Juan's um, Crewmates or something So they can find out where this Antalum came from And so They discover that it's from a little Planet somewhere off Miles away called Lorigan but obviously, under normal space conditions, it would take hundreds of years to get there. But in this movie, it takes about two minutes yeah. uh, to get there. So that's where the Antalum is. So immediately, they get him to get his crew together and um, get going off to Antalum. So it's Captain Larry. We've got Lieutenant Sandra Richardson and then a bunch of other relatively nameless people who there's a Commander Green, I think, uh, Colonel no he's Colonel no, Mustard I the, think it was Colonel Mustard Colonel Mus- right. there's an Erica there's basically enough enough for them to all turn into couples at the appropriate time yes and um, they fly off um, but they are on their way when they see or they, they see Juan's ship and Juan is kind of ghosting them uh, <laughs> and then starts just starts he, he has a good laugh with them over the ship-to-ship uh, system, and then he shoots at them. and um, They, I don't know, they get into a bit of a fight, but he kind of just flies off. Um, and he's going there because they, they don't want him to get there before they do because he's going to mine it all for himself, but they want to get it for themselves. So they get to Lorigan, but then the ship comes under attack and they crash land, which is not as exciting as it sounds.
1: No, no, it's not.
0: But, um, so then where do we go? So now they've got no radio communication. So meanwhile, back in the control room, which I'm pretty sure was the same control room from Cosmos. It looks very similar.
1: Very, it's very probable, yeah, because, I mean, yeah. you know, once you've got those sets, I mean, just, yeah. you know, use them again, use them again.
0: Yeah. No, he's world building here. This is all like a shared universe. <laughs> <He's> world building. <laughs> um, you are so kind. You are so <laughs> kind. Because they're all, what's great is they're all wearing the same spacesuits with the kind of red... Cal or yeah, the, the, yeah. The, that we saw in the previous film so there's a sort of nice bit of visual continuity there Um and they're flying pretty much the same spaceship I think from Cosmos as well it looks very similar the, the control panels and all that kind of stuff look very um, similar but anyway so they have crash landed their radio communications are knocked out but thankfully not their um Oh no, what was it called from Planet of the Vampires? Like their UFO Oh their did, meteor rejector. Meteor reject, so yeah. Luckily that's fine this time. Um but they they've got to they leave some people behind on the ship whilst they uh try and do some so do some repairs, whilst the rest of the crew, once they discover they can breathe the air, they go off to explore And uh, almost immediately get attacked by a giant, very familiar robot. Uh, Yeah,
1: yeah. This is a robot we've seen before, and as far as I can tell, and I'm not the person to go and explore the other movies to make sure of this, I think he pops up in just like every one of these damn Al Bradley things.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of like a psychotic Robbie the Robot.
1: (laughs) Always shot in very close-up because Mm. I'm sure... In reality, it looked as bad as you can imagine.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's good. Um, anyway, they managed to escape. If I remember right, they escaped the robot. Yes. They've they've got um. So Lieutenant Richardson, she seems to be the science officer or something, because she's got the uh, antalum detector, <laughs> which is which just is like a, a metal detector. Yeah, they didn't even try to like sci fi it up. No. And she's weeping around. So they basically follow the signal to try and locate the source of the Antalem. But they know, so they're pretty sure that Juan has got there first, but they want to find it before he does, because he'll just get it all and then make them buy it anyway, but make lots of money in the process. Now, they end up in a cave. Did this cave look familiar to you as well?
1: Uh, This is a cave that I've seen in roughly 100 million Italian exploitation films. Yes.
0: Mm Mm-hmm yes I'm pretty sure it's exactly the same caves where they met the um, the blue men Uh, were they blue or were they green in Cosmos I think it was the same I just kept it so confusing I kept waiting for those guys to turn up again Um, but anyway so they're in the caves and then they find a gateway to a castle now at this point we should backtrack a little bit (laughs) because one thing we haven't mentioned is that Lieutenant Richardson has been having a recurring nightmare. Ah yes. She, this, uh, she had this the first night we saw her and the captain getting it on. Could could you describe the the nightmare? Um
1: us? Let us rip off the beast. That's the nightmare. <laughs> okay, essentially it's uh in this uh, this recurring dream slash nightmare, uh she is having uh, visions of herself clad in a very, you know, slashed and diaphanous kind of white outfit being chased through a wooded area by um some kind of um bipedal beast some kind of animal Mm. and um it always seems to involve not just fear but uh sexual aggression some kind of uh fear of uh she she seems to be fearing not just attack or death but rape And that's uh, this Mm -hmm. recurring thing she uh, has it and wakes up in fright from it uh, each time she has this particular nasty dream
0: and she says uh, when when she's just tries to describe the dream to the captain she talks about the trees not being like they not being like uh, the forest is not like it is here on earth (laughs) which is BS "Mm." so she as they start walking through the woods here on this planet she's like oh this is the woods from my dream and we're all just thinking well duh because you know, <laughs> we we know where this is going um now in, as they're walking through the woods they see a very strange sight something which they appear not to have seen before which is how do we describe this
1: it's bizarre house or is that what oh you're...
0: Be- before we get to that they, oh. they even though we apparently are on an uninhabited planet we cut to some stables Oh, yeah. in shot in but presumably this is stock footage that appears to have been shot anamorphic and squeezed because it's, or... it's been squeezed into this because this is a non-anamorphic film and so <laughs> we've got these kind of tall thin horses um, yeah well you know basically breeding. Giraffes, let's I just suppose. say breeding yeah. how's that and so they see this site and I don't know if they've never seen horses on their home planet before I mean, we assume we assume that it's Earth, but maybe they're not from Earth. But anyway, they we and then we get this prolonged sequence of them all just staring at these <laughs> screaming horses, and the, the the men look confused or perhaps just inadequate, um, whilst the women all seem to be extremely aroused by such a sight. Um, it's so now strange. I be, I believe that actually the same thing occurs in the beast itself.
1: Ah. Yes, uh, there so there think, is there is some uh, some uh, animal sexuality within the film, not yeah. you know not bestiality, although of course that's what no, the, the concept that wins comes later. To.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's later. But yeah, so I think this is one of the first moments where there's a direct ripoff of the Beast, where all the all the grown ups stop to watch some horse action, and of course we've also seen a fairly similar sentiment in a, in a scene in Emmanuel in America. Yeah. Um, if but we let's not we don't need to talk about that too much if if you've seen that you'll know um what we're talking about anyway so she, they're all very puzzled they've never seen horses before uh especially not horses giving each other piggybacks and so <laughs> they they walk through the woods and they find this castle and um this is something else that's been in her dreams now. And this is where I'm starting to get slightly lost. And my plot summary from um, Matt Blake kind of cuts a bit short. So I can't remember how they end up in the castle. Do they just, does the guy just come out? Well, before we get
1: inside the castle, which shifts the film into a different realm, let's, let's explain one thing. Mm. Um, There is no English dub of this film. So any version of it that you're going to see is going to be subtitled in English. Mm -hmm. So, Uh, understand that 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 helps in some ways and hinders in others but one of the more interesting bits that i want to explain is that at one point when they're walking through this forest and trying to figure out you know what is all this weird stuff we're seeing what are trees you know just whatever weirdness they're they're expecting us to think here um the there's one scene where they're walking along where the captain is still jabbering away you can look you can see that he is still talking and that people are replying and yet they have dubbed nothing into this section of the movie and so there's no there's no dialogue but they're clearly speaking and it's just it's one of those moments where you just kind of throw up your hand as a viewer and go it's it's as if they went we've explained enough here just run with this thing okay we 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 could put some more stupid dialogue here but
0: it wouldn't help you or us so let's just move forward Mm -hmm. all right what they were actually probably talking about was um, contract negotiations. <laughs> and yeah, so how did you end up in this film? And uh, yeah, what did, how did you end up in this? Film? How much are they paying you? probably anybody know where they're setting up lines. for lunch? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the the castle belongs to somebody called Onaf, who is the ruler of this uh, yes. this planet. Or I'm pretty sure it must be the whole planet. He makes it sound like it's the whole planet and um the the robot they found this is another tie back to the plot of um cosmos the robot is part of a supercomputer below the surface of the planet Mm -hmm. that is has that has kind of taken over and become this kind of megalomaniac and wants to destroy everybody and rule the planet um, but it's malfunctioned that's basically what happens in cosmos too uh yeah, yeah. Right. This, yeah. This this whole idea
1: much. of there being supercomputers that will will essentially, you know, authoritatively rule over entire planets seems to be a recurring theme in the world of Al Bradley's mm. science fiction, so.
0: Yeah. So so we I, meet this I, guy. I wonder, I wonder if Al Bradley oh, yeah.
1: or Alfonso Braso was was attacked by a mechanical robot as a child yeah. and has this recurring <laughs> fear that he must insert into everything. I don't I don't know.
0: Yeah. He um Now he looks familiar because obviously this is the guy she kept seeing in her dream now it's never really explained why she's been having visions of this place the whole time whether that's something to do with the computer luring her to the planet or if it's just because they needed to have a dream motif because that's what happens in the beast Mm. I i mean so my understanding of in the beast um it's a different character played by a different actress who has this dream and in the dream she sees serpa lane and the beast getting it on in the woods and that's what she sees in a dream so here we get it on both ends it's Sir herself who's having the dream about herself being in the woods with um, with unaf probably just thinking oh what am i doing here again uh <laughs> words to that effect <laughs> so so they get told by onaf that the computer is guarding itself with an army of golden men robots yes um d'Oro, i think they are and it's interesting that like golden men there's loads of it. i've been noticing the more i read about this stuff and look up potential titles for us to cover in future episodes there's quite a few italian films with the words golden men in the title Ah. it's it's quite a popular idea in Italian Um, so like in this film but there's things some of those kind of costume superhero type films that they did there's some golden men in those Uh, it's I know there are in in,
1: in, in peplum as well yeah
0: yeah and there's at least there's a Euro spy or two I think so the golden men by the time this film comes around is a pretty old concept and these golden men have lightsabers, yes. kind of. So you've got to be very careful with these guys. But the only way they can escape is to get, or they, they still know they've got to get the Antalum. This is where it all starts to become a bit unclear, because at this point, they all basically sit around for dinner. Oh, yeah, they get separated, don't they? That's it. And, But then it turns out they're all there and everyone's happy. They've all got changed into, basically, you mentioned Peplum. It's like they're all now suddenly dressed for a Roman banquet. Exactly. In this castle. And uh, and their best friend, Juan, has turned up as well. And he's acting all matey with the captain. And, you know, just, oh, I was only joking when I shot at your ship. Everyone's, we're all, everything's <laughs> fine. We're all just having we're, a good we're, time. We're going
1: to be friends now. Come on.
0: Yeah. So he's kind of teaming up with uh, with, with the captain. Uh, Captain Larry, like you said, very American names. Um, <laughs> it's brilliant. So this is where we said so the the banquet starts, and the conversation is all pretty banal. Um, and then they all well, just
1: well, hold on a second. Uh, oh, what yeah, did you on. think of the uh, one the one room set that they have for this castle, which they redress at least three times to make <laughs> you think that you're somewhere else? Which yeah. is which is this large space. Uh, and, uh, and along the back wall, it's really just a screen onto which they project images. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and when it's the banquet hall, you're like, oh, OK, well, I, I can see how that could be something you would you would do. But for the other scenes, it's like they wander into this when they're first in the in this castle, into this giant room with what is obviously a screen on which things are being projected that are in <laughs> motion and none of them yeah. say anything about it none of them take note it's just oh yeah yeah it looks mm-hmm. like it's uh projecting images of outer space on the on this back wall it's like
0: what what, what why, why are we yeah no where where is the camera that's filming that it's like what is what is
1: happening here and it's just it's one of those things where i i gotta admit i i have some respect for stretching a dollar as far as these people mm-hmm. stretched it i mean it's it's admirable to a degree, and there's some. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, they 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 make the standard mistakes of of any any low budget any low budget feature that's attempting to pretend that we're creating a whole other world in a in a different place, and we're really just redressing similar sets from one scene to the next. You know, mm. I mean, see, don't bu- don't bump into anything, or it'll or it'll shake a little too hard, and make it obvious that it's not really a table. Or a wall, mm-hmm. or you know anything, but mm-hmm. this redressed single room, I thought was hilarious because it's like okay, first of all, you're, no, you're fooling no one because you don't move the camera at all. The camera's just, just locked mm-hmm. down. We're taking this single shot. You're shooting this as economically and quickly as possible, and it's you needed to do more to pretend that this was a different room, like in one of those scenes. Maybe don't project anything on that back screen. <laughs> Just let it be a wall. I mean, we would think it was a wall, right? I mean, what the heck? But it's this is yeah. this is where the film gets, uh, shall we say, dreamy, kind of surreal.
0: Well, yeah, like um, like Matt Blake says. Um, basically, he starts by recycling narrative components of the previous films: Killer Robots, Christ Landing Mr. Planets before giving up the ghost and frankly letting it all go freestyle. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, it turns into
1: essentially kind of a a, a bacchanal, an orgy of sorts.
0: Yeah, which again, I think a lot of it comes out of the the beast as far as I can tell. Those golden men, incidentally, they also pop up in Star Odyssey. So it's the same costumes again uh, from another one of these movies. By the way,
1: Star, uh, Star Odyssey, from what I can tell from people who have suffered through all of the al bradley science fiction films they say that one is possibly the best of them and oh. for that i want to thank them <laughs> thank you for giving <laughs> us that piece of possible truth i don't right. know
0: i did wonder whether we should have done that one instead but i maybe we should have done i don't know i
1: don't know we wouldn't have nearly as much fun just staring agog at that as that's we true. do at this so yeah
0: that's true so they're all sat round for dinner with the, the the guy with the big beard uh, Captain Larry is just looking across the table and, you know, disappointed that there's no Uranus milk on offer. <laughs> yes. um, but then the crew, all, something weird starts to go on. They all start to just, it's like they're drunk or they're being slightly manipulated uh, into just becoming sexy with each other. And they all just kind of break off and start getting it on really? around the room and um apart from larry he's kind of standing back and watching with Juan uh at what's going on and serpa lane despite the fact that she clearly recognizes this guy from her dreams uh goes off with onef and doesn't seem to be too worried about
1: that yeah like don't you think this is that same guy who you
0: know you Mm. were terrified of in that nightmare of yours so this is where we get a very lengthy sequence where they're all snogging each other uh, in (laughs) this room but but then we cut to the woods and it's never entirely clear whether what's happening in the woods is is some kind of mental projection or if they have all actually been transported to the woods i think even at this point captain larry is out there in the woods getting it on with another member of the crew and And we kind of cut between the castle and the woods. And this is where the main sex stuff occurs. And Onaf and Serpa Lane seem to be getting on quite well. (laughs) Yes. For a while. Um, And they sort of walk past the other couples who are getting increasingly explicit down on the twigs. <laughs> and uh, it's got to be quite uncomfortable. In amongst uh, the tree roots, yes. Yeah, and, <laughs> uh, and they seem to be just having a nice time. But that's but Onaf decides enough is enough, and he suddenly becomes quite. No, and he whips his trousers off and his shoes off to reveal that he is in fact half man, half goat,
1: or half man, half hairy
0: pantyhose yeah you can see the stretch line <laughs> like the elastic line where they're uh, just on him it's yes funny. yes indeed uh, and he's got cloven hooves which is relatively well done um, hidden inside his shoes and this is where she screams because it's like oh now i recognize you i <laughs> didn't <laughs> oh it's you Oh, Oh, the the trousers were a complete (laughs) disguise I have no idea no idea and um, he seems to have like some animals do he seems to have a penis that can disappear completely inside him or (laughs) pop right out at will Uh, there are some animals I think gorillas uh, have that ability so that it's not just dangling around as they're swinging (laughs) around the trees that can be very branches. dangerous if yeah. Yeah, yeah, true. you, yeah, know. Um So some animals can kind of tuck those away, which he seems to be able to do. Um, because I don't know, or it's just a continuity thing, but when he starts chasing her through the woods, and sometimes he's uh, standing proud, and other times he's just wearing hairy trousers, um, <laughs> and we just get this very lengthy sequence uh, of her running and him chasing and then cutting to people on the floor and under the trees and it just goes on for ages but
1: luckily we do eventually finally uh have a, a battle at the end
0: yes because so captain larry he's under the spell as well but juan comes up and gives him a it gives him a pill yeah I think.
1: it's it, he it's it's as if he were prepared for this because he's
0: been here yeah. before so he slips so, he
1: slips them uh he slips all the rest of them a pill so that they'll come yeah. out of their stupor
0: and they all suddenly put their tongues back in their mouths and and realize <laughs> and various things going, back in their pants yes and just like just get a bit embarrassed about what they've been getting up to um yeah so so Juan knows that they're all under some kind of mind control he agrees to team up with Captain Lowry he says let's get the um, tell them together and everything will be fine and we'll get away um and all of that and so that's kind of what they do but in the process they have to destroy the killer computer mhm um i can't remember how they do that um
1: through the power of editing
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm that's...
1: not i'm not i'm not kidding i mean it's, it's it's not very clear but let's just say the robot does explode so yes
0: yeah and then they have to fight with the golden men there's quite a long and amusing sequence with the golden men, um, who are robots, and they kind of explode when they get hit. And this is where the lightsabers come out, which is pretty fun.
1: Yeah, I have to admit that some of this fight sequence, some of this battle sequence, actually is kind of fun to watch. I mean, because they're, mm. they're you know there's ray guns and, and lightsabers and, and yeah, uh, the the editing gets uh, gets pretty quick and pretty pretty effectively done. I have to I had to give the credit to the, the people making the film at that point because it's like oh well, holy this thing has a pulse again how'd mm. this happen
0: they must have brought in I think it must have been their second unit director or something who knows who knows how to stage a fight um, it feels very much like an old sort of Buck Rogers or Flash Gordon kind of serial or yeah, something yeah. like that
1: and I, I do wonder I mean when you when you de- when you de- dig into people you know, coming to this film cold one of the things that a lot of people of a certain generation will will compare it to is the buck rogers in the 25th century television series from the late 70s mm. here in here in the states and there is a fair bit of that but i have to say the only place where i see it is you know a little bit in the costuming and uh because it does, the, some of the some of the costuming does feel a little bit like what uh, like aaron gray and buck rogers were wearing on that show but yeah. i gotta say the action sequences here actually there's this this final this final fight is actually pretty exciting and it, it reminds me of that feeling when i was a kid watching buck rogers and thinking ah yeah here here's the good stuff you know
0: yeah yeah so it, it kind of ends with uh with a bit of action and they find the antalum which wasn't it behind the computer or something it was like something to do with the computer yeah it was like
1: in a drawer under the yeah. computer or something
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know it's in the junk drawer behind the batteries yeah and uh, and then and what happens to the hairy guy i've forgotten Did he just blow up with the planet i think they basically destroy the planet yeah Don't yeah know, it's pretty much a you know you know push yeah. the
1: destruct button and move forward yeah
0: yeah so it's pretty nuts and um not not all that bad I mean, you know, I think they they do all right with what they had. I
1: think I, I would agree, then. yeah.
0: I don't know how successful the film was. I did look it up and it didn't have a release in the UK at the time, probably because it was just too sexy. Um, even the softcore version would have probably been deemed too much. Um, have you got any idea how well it would have done in America? I don't know. Well, I don't, I don't really think it was released how,
1: in America. I don't. The fact right. that there was no English dub tells me that in 1980, mm. this sucker would not have been released over here.
0: Apparently, Severin got the uh, the lab negative by buying it at a bankruptcy auction. So I think the lab <laughs> had gone bankrupt and were just selling all their stuff off. Oh my god! So they, that's how they were able to get it, um, which is pretty funny. But yeah, I don't think it did. According to the IMDb. It was also released in germany but not until 1985 Hmm. so i think primarily it's become known as a sort of cult movie since home video has made it available That's probably true so yeah so there's no really kind there's i haven't got any contemporary reviews um even matt blake hasn't dug out any original italian reviews so i don't know how well the film did at the time but it's definitely developed a reputation it's really weird (laughs) But like if you wanted to rip off The Beast, fair enough. I think there are a couple of other Italian movies of the 70s that do sort of rip off The Beast a bit. Well, I think then, Serpa but, Lane
1: was actually in another movie that uh, Well, that's true, be, actually. Yeah, that, that yes, looks like it was um, a, yeah.
0: That one is called... Malabestia? Malabestia, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, even just, yeah, the title is a bit of a giveaway. Yes, you're right. Um but then to say okay well let's take all that but then do it in space it's kind of quite daring i think in a lot of I, ways I, to, I can't complain to to take that idea and think well we could just do it in the woods but why don't we do it in some woods in space <laughs> and uh because yeah, i've got these costumes i've got this killer robot yeah um and why not so of yeah i would i think i will do it will eventually just out of curiosity i will watch star odyssey to see how that fits in but this is definitely this one is definitely better than cosmos so that's oh i agree and that's the that's the thing that's
1: why i am glad that you had us watch two of these damn things because (laughs) it it is it is interesting to compare and contrast and to realize that yes with you know when you're when you're scraping along the bottom of the barrel, sometimes you do get a piece of fruit, and this is the piece of fruit. You know, <laughs> uh,
0: I think that's probably the best thing we can possibly say about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that was Beast in Space. Uh, currently not available on Blu-ray. No, um, but I'm sure it's only a matter of time before Severin upgrade to a Blu-ray because they seem to be doing that with everything else, and they've they've got the negative apparently. So. I'm sure eventually a full HD and you'll be able to see the uh, the elasticated furry tights in all of their glory in HD. And that um,
1: honestly, that would be worth it. Plus, I, I will yeah. say this, we didn't comment upon it, but I, I would really love to see whatever that funky makeup that Serpa Lane was wearing at the beginning of the film in the bar where it looks like she's got... Not just glitter, but like you know, rhinestones glued to her face. It's a, it's yeah. like she's there, clearly attempting to attract a mate, and somehow this is going to do it. I, I yeah, I'm, just, I'm impressed.
0: I know. Uh, yeah, it's like a real space disco. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, there's uh, a there's uh, a lot of that feel
1: in, in in this film, especially in those bar scenes where it's just like, ah, yes, it will be just like it is here, only mm-hmm. stranger and more. Sp- Spacey, I guess that's the word yeah. we'll use. Spacey, yes, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of space discos, that's a good uh, time to mention our next episode. So do come back in a couple of weeks for the final film of our season, um, which is which definitely fulfills the space disco criteria, <laughs> uh, I would say. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that next time. Anything finally you want to say about Beast in Space Rob, before we finish?
1: Um, I never intended to go back and rewatch this movie. I can't say that I'm completely <laughs> happy that I did, but you're right. On a scale, you know, on, on the the rather odd scale, uh, I am kind of pleased that uh, although at 92 minutes it's a little too long, it could have mm-hmm. been it could have been easily a good 10 minutes shorter. Uh, mm-hmm. This this was not as unpleasant a rewatch as I had assumed it was going to be, which is odd.
0: There we go. Damning with faint praise. Precisely. Yeah. Watch Beast in Space. It's not as bad as you think it's going to be. (laughs) Put that on the poster. It's not a root canal. So there. No. No. Just um, a minor surgery. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Anyway, thanks, everybody. I think we'll probably (laughs) wrap that up there. If you've seen Beast in Space, get in touch. Let us know what you thought of it. You can email us Uh on... I never remember the email. It is Wild Wild Podcast, that's easy to remember, at gmail.com or tweet us at the Wild Wild Pod. Or we'll just search Twitter for Wild Wild Podcast. Uh I'd like to thank you all for listening. I checked the other day, Rod, and we've since we started this, we've now had well over a thousand downloads. So oh. that's quite cool. Um that is that's in tow that's in total not per episode well, I mean it, yeah we're, we're,
1: we're past the heady days of uh, of social yeah. media promoting uh, podcasts just because they exist so yes I understand
0: yeah but that's great so thanks everybody for listening we're glad that you um, appreciate what we're doing here so but yeah we'd love to hear some feedback or you can also leave us reviews on uh, wherever you're listening to the podcast or that all that kind of stuff that podcasters ask you to do all the time uh anyway thank you rod for uh, for suffering again <laughs> through a film that you never wanted to watch uh, again um right and that's it thanks everybody uh, we will see you all again in a couple of weeks bye for now bye bye all